begin with an update on the hearing of the former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, and we then discuss the soon-to-be cancellation of Trump's skate rinks in New York and surrounding totalitarian controls of the left. Then we discuss the evolving situation in Burma, how the CCP is actually fueling the riot control, but also putting out a test for Joe Biden. The CCP's next target might be Taiwan. Let's talk about it. Let's start with a quick update on the Capitol Police hearing. The former chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen Sund, who had resigned days following the January 6 riot, on Tuesday blamed a breakdown in intelligence ahead of the January 6 breach of the U.S. Capitol. He told senators during a hearing about the incident. He says, I think in exigent circumstances, there needs to be a streamlined process for the Capitol Police chief for Capitol Police to have authority. The assessment indicated that members of the Proud Boys, white supremacist groups, Antifa, and other extremist groups were expected to participate on January 6th and that they may be inclined to become violent. Based on the intelligence that we received, we plan for an increased level of violence at the Capitol and that some participants may be armed. But none of the intelligence we received predicted what actually occurred. I'm able to provide you a quick overview of why I think it was a coordinated attack. One, these people came specifically with equipment. You're bringing climbing gear to a demonstration. You're bringing explosives. You're bringing chemical spray, such as what Captain Mendoza, Mendoza had talked about. You're coming prepared. The fact that the group that attacked our West Front, attacked our West Front 20 minutes, approximately 20 minutes before the event over at the Ellipse ended, which means they were planning on our agency not being at what they call full strength, you know, watching the other events saying, hey, that event's ending. Okay, everybody get on post. They're going to be marching our way, knowing that we may not be at full strength at that time. And then also the fact that we were dealing with two pipe bombs that were specifically, you know, set right off the edge of our uh, perimeter to, what I suspect, draw resources away. I think there was a significant uh, coordination. Senate Rules Chairwoman Amy Klobuchar told Sund during the hearing, Your testimony makes it clear that the current structure of the Capitol Police Board resulted in delays in bringing in assistance from the National Guard. Acting Metropolitan Police Department Chief Robert Conti defended the response. Chief Sun was pleading uh, for the deployment of the National Guard. And in response to that, uh, there was not an immediate yes. Uh, the National Guard is responding. Yes, the National Guard is on the way. Yes, the National Guard are being restaged from traffic posts uh, to respond. Uh, the response was more uh, asking about the plan uh, that, you know, what was the plan for the National Guard? The response was more uh, focused on, uh, in addition to the plan, uh, the optics, you know, the, how this looks. Uh, with boots on the ground uh, on the on the Capitol, and in in my response to that uh, was simply I was just stunned uh, that you know I have officers that were out there literally fighting for their lives, and you know we're, we're kind of going through you know what seemed like a, an exercise to really check the boxes. Seeing officials were not alerted about the potential for violence, despite federal officials' claims. He says the district did not have intelligence pointing to a coordinated assault on the Capitol. Conti said in a statement before the hearing also, MPD's police officers were engaged in a literal battle for hours. Many were forced into hand-to-hand -hand combat to prevent more rioters from gaining entry into the Capitol. This was not a peaceful protest. This was not a crowd trying to express their First Amendment rights, rights which we are proud to protect regardless of belief. Conti also said, referring to the Metro Police Department, at the end of the day, this was an assault on our democracy and MPD officers held the line. 
Now, politics aside, it seems that the fact the Capitol Police was not getting the intel briefing that it needed, this was going to be an event which many people, but more importantly, a potential large-scale escalation was going to happen, is, I think, pretty much nonsense. It doesn't take a genius to note the fact that the events that took place on January 6th had way more meanings than just a regular MAGA march. Was it to deliberately trap Trump and Trump supporters into a situation where they're potentially framed for an insurrection? Was that the goal? Well, at this point, there's already been arrests. Around 300 plus people charged, most of which were from the Capitol breach. But the actual effects, I think, is more about the social justification of uh, the impeachment of Trump and the subsequent denial of the authenticity of Trump's presidency. And their goal was to remove the legitimacy of Trump's election claims. And because this insurrection turned violent, this was the perfect tool to invalidate Trump. As well, Merrick Garland, President Joe Biden's nominee for Attorney General, said on Monday that he would align the Department of Justice's with the White House's push to restrict gun ownership. Again, this is the next step to restricting the free speech, but more importantly, Second Amendment rights. Garland said during his Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, the president is a strong supporter of gun control and has been an advocate all his professional life on this question. He was responding to a question from Senator Mike Lee. Garland continued, the role of the Justice Department is to advance the policy program of the administration as long as it is consistent with the law. Where there is room under the law for the president's policies to be pursued, I think the president is entitled to pursue them. And Biden last week said he wants Congress to impose stricter restrictions on gun purchases, including banning assault weapons, banning high-capacity magazines, and eliminating liability shields for gun manufacturers. Again, this comes down to the increasing restrictions, but more importantly, is pushing the left agenda of no guns, no free speech, no free movements. And more importantly, they got what they wanted with the January 6th riot. It turned violent, it turned physical, and it also got to frame Trump for inciting it. Maybe this was their goal. In our second topic today, New York City, home of the ever-so-left and farther-left, now two skating rinks that were operated by Trump, his organization in New York City's Central Park, would remain open for the rest of the season. Now this comes earlier, the city's government's decision wanted to cut ties with the business company of Trump. Bel de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, decided they wanted to cut ties with Trump earlier in the year. Well, he said because of the January 6th riot, the New York City kids deserves all the time on the ice they get this year, and the woman and the Alaska rink will stay open under current management for the few weeks left in the season. But make no mistake, we will not be doing business with the Trump Organization going forward. Inciting an insurrection will never be forgotten or forgiven. Now again, Democrats are pushing this so-called narratives that Trump incited the insurrection, so they're just trying to cancel all of his ties, and New York City everybody knows was Trump's home base for a very long time, and Trump loved the city. Eric Trump, the executive vice president of the Trump Organization, previously criticized de Blasio for shutting down the ice rinks before the end of the skating season, telling the New York Post that the mayor is absolutely petty. Canceling one business at a time seems like a great way for the country to remain stable and united, right? Well, maybe not after you see this video.
A skater, who I presumed is a Trump supporter, he waved flag and he wore a MAGA hat on the rink sometimes after the news broke out. He was surrounded and tackled by the man in orange and seems everyone around them clapped and cheered as he went down in a crowded versus one on ice. What does this say about the unity of the country? Well, the left argues that it hurted the feelings of the rest of the skaters. But does it make them feel better to know that one more glorious conquest of the liberal knights of the Democrat won another victorious battle against the evil MAGA wizards? Oh, I wasn't really talking about the fantasy story, by the way. This is the real state of the country in 2021. Having the same Trump name attached to anything pretty much in today's age is an automatic trigger for people to feel angry. It's the long-term brainwashing of the media. But for us to say this is nothing but a full-on hate campaign against Trump, for them, it's just another day in the office of the glorious Democrat social justice campaign. And that is because House Democrats are attempting to pressure television carriers into deplatforming Fox News, OAN Network, and also Newsmax, arguing they have been spreading misinformation related to COVID-19 pandemic. Representative Jerry McNerney and Anna G. Eshro uh, wrote to 12 cable, satellite, and streaming companies, urging them to take steps they asserted would combat the spread of misleading information. The lawmakers allege Fox News Max and One American News spread misinformation about the November 2020 elections and also COVID-19, and wondered why carriers have done nothing in response to the misinformation aired by these outlets. They asked carriers to respond to a slew of questions by March 8th, including what moral or ethical principles they apply in deciding which channels to carry, how many subscribers tune into the network in the weeks preceding the presidential election, and whether they've taken adverse actions against any channel in the wake of the election or the January 6th storming of the U.S. Capitol. They asked AT&T in one of the letters, are you planning to continue carrying Fox News, Newsmax, and OAN on UVerse, DirecTV, and AT&T TV, both now and beyond any contract renewal date? If so, why? The engine driving forward these socialist and communist cancel culture agenda, including these recent events, has suggested that names, even association to events with the names or just in general, are now going to be grounds for cancellation. They'll take your jobs, take your pretty much everything, I guess. Now this with right-wing news channels facing pressure as well as restrictions. The one like ours is being demonetized on YouTube. These are just steps closer to reaching a totalitarian control of no free speech, no free expression. Actually, there is speech and expression, but it's kind of like what the party wants you to say, pretty much. And this needs to be stopped. Naomi Wolf, former Democratic advisor to Bill Clinton, said the United States is becoming a totalitarian state due to COVID-19 lockdown orders. She aided former President Clinton during his second re-election bid told Fox News on Monday night that the nation is moving into a coup situation, a police state, as a result of the lockdowns. Her thoughts were that it is not a partisan thing. It that transcends everything that you and I might agree or disagree on. That should bring together left and right to protect our constitution. 
In recent months, Wolf has been using her Twitter account to warn about governor's lockdown orders as well as President Joe Biden's willingness to implement additional shutdowns due to the pandemic. Listen to her quick parts in Tucker Carlson's interview on Monday night. Power and government power, which is really characteristic of Italian fascism in the 20s, um, and they're, they're using that to engage in kind of emergency orders that that simply strip us of our rights, rights to property, rights to assembly, rights to worship, and all of the rights that our constitution guarantees. So people are definitely horrified and noticing. I think people are shocked. You know, once once I realized New York State had emergency powers, I know from history that no one gives up emergency powers willingly. Right. Um, nowhere in the constitution does it say all this can be suspended if there's a bad disease. We have lived through typhus, cholera, smallpox, HIV, tuberculosis, polio, the Spanish flu. You know, we've lived through an attack on our soil. Never have there been months and months and months of emergency powers when we weren't actually fighting a war. So right. um, this is completely unprecedented. Lockdowns have never been done before in free societies. And really, we're turning into a version of a, a totalitarian state sort of before everyone's eyes. And I, I really hope you know, we wake up quickly because history also shows that it's a, a small window in which people can fight back before it's too dangerous to fight back. After listening to that, you should realize there is a growing concern of extremism among the left wing as well as in a radical agenda. Um, you probably have already realized that, but more on the side of an intention rather than a doing. I think it's always been the goal, I speak for people who listen to me, that they started to feel, or they have already felt maybe, that 2020 just a few months ago, actually, suddenly was the year when citizens seems to have lost their rights to speak, the right to move, and the right to gather. Now, these subtle rights that we have somehow grew up with without ever being disrupted or disturbed, even during 9-11, seems to have disappeared overnight. Now, we now know that masks are being uh, implemented, allegedly, that they have to be worn until 2022. And many have reported that they will continue to wear masks even after the pandemic is over. But was it really the pandemic that mattered somehow now that a year later, 500,000 deaths, has a Democrat achieved their goals? Or was the pandemic just a disguise for something bigger? Because I know for a fact that the, the, the left blames the Trump pretty much administration for this pandemic management issue. And he's not the president anymore in charge right now. And I've said this before, the ball is in Biden's court. And we handled this one year of lockdown, and we barely got through it. Most people, it seems we might have to endure one more year, and then maybe a year after, it maybe five years, who knows? Because every year, something new will happen. Are we to just agree with everything that the government tells us? What does that say about the structure of the government? When does it end? The truth is, you find that the people talking about doing it for the sake of the people now, this group of people, they're often not actually doing much for the people. Now, there is a reason for the phrase, actions speak louder than words. It still rings true today. So far, we have not seen a Biden COVID plan, and we're still running on a Trump procedure. When does this end and where does it end? Now, I don't have an answer for that because we're all going through this situation, but I hope more people wake up to this. In our last topic today, there's a situation in Burma that has been rapidly changing over the last week as the state sent out massive riot suppression in multiple cities across Burma. 
Burmese protests reportedly turned violent and deadly, with hundreds arrested, deaths due to shots being fired. What I want to focus on today, though, is actually a recent report saying that an advocacy group has recently accused Chinese state-owned companies of being the biggest arms supplies to the Burmese military for these actions. Now, meanwhile, thousands of Burmese citizens have recently protested against the coup and believe that Beijing was too behind for it. And despite the Chinese embassy has repeatedly denied the claims, here are some reasonable... Well, I'll explain it to you. According to advocacy group Justice for Myanmar, it says that the five biggest suppliers of arms and military equipment to Burma's military are China North Industries Group, the Aviation Industry Corp of China, the China Aerospace Science and Technology Corp, the China Aerospace Science and Industry Corp, and the China National Aero Technology Import and Export Corporation. This was reported by Radio Free Asia. According to the report, more than a dozen other suppliers were also funded from China and Hong Kong. A spokesperson for Justice for Myanmar said weapons supplied by Norinco to the Tadmada, which is the official name of the Burma's armed forces, were being used on unarmed surveillance amid mass protests following the military coup on January 31st. And since then, deaths have been reported. But we know now that these armed suppliers have really close ties to the CCP, if not directly linked to the government and the military. So why are they supplying the military junta? Well, the junta has a complicated relationship with the CCP, but it also has a complicated relationship with the rest of the world, as it is being sanctioned by the international community for its human rights violations. But this is the part we already know. Biden's administration has condemned the junta's actions, repeatedly actually. So the military is seeking out at this current stage anyone that's willing to give them help. Now the CCP, the relationship with the Burmese junta is that the military, since it has its sanctions in place by other countries and by the UN, it needs supplies, it needs money, it needs support. And the CCP is the perfect candidate to give those support. And they're willing to do it too. So they begin something of a mutualistic exchange of, I guess, something benefits each other. The CCP wants to run a pipeline through Myanmar and the military wants supplies. But the even bigger meaning behind to this is actually how the CCP is going to be using the military coup in Burma as a test for Joe Biden. Now given Biden's recent speech at the CNN town hall, we can already pretty much guess that he's gonna be giving China a free pass on whatever Myanmar's doing. But the CCP needs more uh, confirmation to Biden's administration as it is still fairly new. A month in, actually. So they're using the situation in Burma to test the water. But to test what kind of water? If the Biden administration doesn't do anything actually practical to Burma and just stops at words and speeches and no real actions are going to be taken, then that is a huge sign for the CCP to do more in the South China region, in particular from Taiwan, to other places that the CCP is desperately trying to conquer. We're talking about mainly Taiwan and Hong Kong, but it extends to more than that. Now, since Hong Kong has been pretty easy for them, even though it took a long time, but the national security law hasn't been in place since last year. Taiwan, on the other hand, is a little bit more complicated. 
For China, the headache is that recently the U.S. has been asking Taiwan to make more potential deals in automobile chip making. So the U.S. is trying to work with Taiwan in an economic relationship. So the CCP is trying to test if the U.S. would be okay to lose a valuable South China ally in Taiwan. Okay, so if the scenario that the U.S. does nothing in Burma's situation, or at least nothing significant, maybe that is an indication that they will also not say anything about the invasion of Taiwan. The Economist wrote an interesting article about this situation. Now, the Chinese leader Xi Jinping has a wish to fulfill. Now, if he successfully conquered Taiwan, it would in fact make him among the CCP even more respected than possibly Mao Zedong. And the Taiwan island is a part of the so-called unfinished 1949 civil war. But the light of the freedom in Taiwan will forever be snuffed out if U.S. does nothing. Whether Taiwan is actually capable of defending itself, that's a whole nother topic. But the CCP has the long-term plan of arms invasion onto the island. And if the U.S. has a carrier fleet nearby, that probably won't just stop the CCP. And to be fair, even back during the Trump era, that the White House, the CCP never really stopped flying planes over Taiwan Strait. But the message was different. Now, during Trump's era, the trade wars placed much more pressure on the CCP. So their routine flights over Taiwanese water is a sign of urgency and pressure. But nowadays, the planes flying over Taiwan is a sign of disrespect to the U.S. The ball is in Biden's court to play out Burma to the way it needs to be. Now, because if Biden makes the mistake of leaving Burma unattended, then you can bet it indicates that Biden most likely won't do anything about Taiwan either. And it's not just Taiwan, right? It's the entire South China region. Now, the Burmese military has no allies in the Southern China region, as U.S. allies are not likely to work or revert their sanctions on Burma. Therefore, the CCP becomes the only supporter of Burma and can easily influence Burma just likely in the near future with Taiwan too. Well, what does that mean for the U.S.? If Biden fails the U.S.-China relationship or reverse it back to the softness in the, in the Obama era, there's a huge chance that the communist takeover and its agenda completely destroys this U.S. Now, it has already began its roots. Now, the CCP foreign minister Wang Yi demanded four things from the Biden administration yesterday. The U.S. would stop interfering with Hong Kong, Tibet, and Xinjiang. The U.S. would stop tariffs on Chinese products, stop sanctions of Chinese companies, and stop sanctions on Chinese technology and education institutes. And these are four aspects that Trump has placed restrictions on China. And I genuinely believe that if Trump had just even one more year with the trade war, the CCP's finances would have been done. And if Biden fulfills these four demands by the CCP, and then we go back eight years to Obama, and the job market, the economy, and the social policies all shift down. And we lose everything that was built pretty much in the four years. That's it for today, and thanks for watching tonight's episode. Thank you again for your continued support of Beyond the Noise. Have a wonderful evening, and see you tomorrow.